0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah.
1: Hey, geeks.
0: So this week, we are going to be covering 2012 movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So this was my pick this week, and... uh, It's a movie that has a pretty special place in in my heart. Um, I've read the book many, many times, and uh, it's a really good adaptation. And when I heard this was going to be a movie um, about five years ago, I was really excited, and especially when I found out that the author... Steven Chabosky is uh, or was going to both write the film and direct it, write the screenplay and direct it. So that was a huge deal, right? And that's actually a pretty rare thing. You know, it's not often that a author of a book gets a chance to both write the screenplay and direct the movie itself. However, he does direct the movie and you know what? He does a really good job. Yeah, he kicks that really yeah, he does a really good job in this movie. It doesn't feel like the first movie somebody's ever really, really directed, like the first movie with a budget. So, um, I right, so what we're going to do here is we're going to give a five minute non spoilery review here for the people that are checking out this podcast. And we don't want to just jump right in and start spewing spoilers left and right. So, let's just quickly talk about bit about how we liked or disliked this movie and without spoiling anything and um, and then after that we'll go right into our spoiler section and then we'll take a deep dive into this movie so uh, what did you think of the movie
1: well I quite enjoyed this movie Uh, it's a great coming-of-age movie um, with really great it's a great story with the dark undertone that I really enjoyed. It just kind of it feels very authentic to what real life is like. It's not trying to be, you know, something different. It's just just is, you know. And one element that I enjoyed very much was the music element of this uh, this TV or this movie. And I mean, they kicked ass. I mean, there's some songs on the soundtrack that. Like, I didn't think anybody else knew about (laughs) and very much enjoyed. (laughs) And it correlates so well with the story. Like, they tie it in so well. And I love Emma Watson. She does an amazing job. And she does everything very well. So, like, you can't really, you know, falter for anything she ever does because she doesn't do anything wrong. Um, But the guy who plays Charlie, he's incredible he does a perfect job of somebody who's a very introverted and really is trying to reach out i really like the movie it was great
0: uh you know i'm really glad that you liked it because um yeah i mean look neither of us are going to always like (laughs) the movies that either of us suggest right i mean you never know how someone's gonna like a movie unless we already know beforehand going in um however you know it's like these movies here like the ones that are really personal you know the ones that um if you had an ultra special uh list of movies that are special to you and it's not necessarily because they're on the list of the greatest movies of all time somewhere um but to you they they have a special place in in your heart um this is one of those movies. Yeah. And there's other similar ones in the list, but yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just one of those movies that you can relate to because no matter what, there's something in this movie that you yourself has been through, you know?
0: Right. I mean, most of us have felt, you know, when you're a teenager, you, you feel, uh, like an outsider, you know, you, you don't feel like you're, you know, Being listened to, uh, that people get you, you know, you feel like you're just kind of like outside of. There's this giant group of people, and they're all mingling and and getting along, and you're the the lone outlier,
1: the black sheep, you know,
0: right. And and that's true. I think sometimes, and other times, it's just your perception of the situation. Uh, Sometimes it gets overblown, but in this situation. It's, we have a movie here which shows somebody who is has um, got a lot of issues. You know, there's there's mental, mental illness plays a part in this movie, and they do it exceptionally well. I think the performances are uh, amazing. I don't think there is a single bad performance in the entire movie. I think Ezra Miller, as Patrick, is... Um, perfect. A, a re- yeah, perfect. He's a revelation in this movie. In fact, there's a movie that he was in before this one called we need to talk about we need to talk about kevin um that's an exceptionally dark movie an exceptionally dark movie um and he gave an unbelievable unbelievable performance i mean it is literally the antithesis of patrick which just goes to show you how good of an actor this this guy is um logan lerman is charlie like you said perfect i mean he he gets that introverted carrying the weight of past trauma on his shoulders and you can just see it like on his shoulders all the time um it's just the music is great the soundtrack is phenomenal i mean the, the soundtrack has the smiths on it so right there right. <laughs> it sleeps and bounds better than most soundtracks uh, right from the start yeah but the soundtrack is great um all the songs, all the music, whether it's uh, you know songs as written by bands or something that's been created like instrumental music, um, it's all excellent and everything fits the scene and fits the mood and fits the tone that they're going for, and uh, it's just it's just really really good. There's a lot of truth in this movie. It is not a it's not a highly sentimental, gooey, saccharine kind of a movie, you know, that you would find on, like, say, the Hallmark Channel. Um, this movie is tempered by a lot of darkness. And anything that we see uh, in terms of happiness or good things that happen to people in this movie, it is earned. They go through hell. Each one of them, in their own way, goes through their own personal hell in order to get to maybe some place which is good, hopefully. Um yeah. so anyway, this is a really good film. I say check it out. You can't go wrong, I think, with this movie. I think anybody watching this should be able to see that it's excellent. And you know, it to me it is a couple cuts above what uh, a typical, even good uh teen movie is i mean this is to me upper tier this is um sitting on the shelf next to the breakfast club rebel without a cause um you know 16 candles pretty you know all that uh, ferris bueller's day off um some of the best teen movies of all time up on that that shelf i mean to me this sits right up there with it
1: yeah i fully agree it's it's fantastic i mean it's gonna be one of the it's going to be one of those ones that lives on and holds true like it doesn't age it's not gonna age i mean they have cut out there's no technology in it very much except for like mixtapes so it's there's no special effects involved it's just very true it'll live on
0: yeah i definitely agree so yeah go check it out i think you'll love it and uh, that's it for our non-spoiler review we're going into the spoiler review now. You have been warned. So here we go. <laughs> uh so I guess maybe we should start out this portion of the review by just talking a little bit about mental illness. So yeah, just touch that plays on a it. yeah, that plays a big part in this movie. And it's not just with Charlie. Um his best friend, Michael. I mean, that was, you know, this traumatic event that really set off the events that begin this book. You know, his friend, Michael, um, his parents are, uh, appears like they're getting divorced. And uh, he kills himself. And it sends Charlie back to the hospital, right? Because it's this awful event. So when we see him, at the beginning of this of this movie, he's just gotten out of the hospital and he's now coming to school as a freshman.
1: Yeah, he's being rehabilitated back into a normal life setting.
0: Precisely. Um, so mental illness is a big thing and it's something that that he carries with him on a daily basis. And as the movie ebbs and flows, as the events kind of move along, we see the darkness rise and recede, rise and recede. And a lot of it actually depends on what's going on with him in terms of friends, friendship. Um, where Before he meets Patrick and uh, Sam and everybody else, he's just trying to make it on a day-to-day basis. But after he meets Sam and Patrick, and after he gets into this group and they become friends and they accept him for who he is, that darkness really recedes, and it's gone, at least as as gone as it can be, and uh but when things go bad, it comes back up again,
1: yeah, and at the beginning, you got the feeling that you know, he's trying to cling to these people because you know, he feels good when he's around them, you know they're an anchor to hold him in place, but it becomes much more than that, like they become you know. Friends that are truer than true, and you know, mean very much to him
0: well, yeah, now let's talk a little bit about the let's talk a little bit about the name of the movie, right It's called the perks of being a wallflower. what does that mean, okay, the perks of being a wallflower well, what are the perks of being a wallflower? It means you can be someone who is Charlie he's a wallflower, and for anybody out there that doesn't know what a wallflower is, a wallflower is somebody that observes and looks watches things happen around them without participating they're observant right they're not necessarily unintelligent and they just don't um they don't put themselves out there they don't risk anything and so what they do is they watch and that's what being a wallflower is all about now the perks of being a wallflower is that By observing the things going on around you, you are able to pick up on a lot of emotional uh, details and anything like the ripples of emotion that you see kind of happen on a day-to-day basis with people. You can see that because you're used to watching. Um, The problem is when you don't participate, when you don't put yourself out there, when you don't sum up the courage to live life, it... um, it's a problem and it really is a detriment i think and that's what charlie tries to change in this in this movie
1: yeah like he he starts out being just that just a wallflower who you know is safely observing the others around him and absorbing you know how it is to be normal so he can you know mimic it and be able to you know personify that he can be normal just as a cover but he eventually begins to want to do that. He wants to be like them and, you know, acts like they do and joins with them more and more and does the things they do and soon becomes, you know, just like them, not a wallflower anymore.
0: Right. Um. All right, let's take a step back because I think what we should do is we should really just go through chronologically and kind of outline what really happens in this movie because even though it's not really – that kind of movie it hasn't doesn't have uh any anything like a labyrinthian plot to it. Um there's still enough events events that go on. And I think it'll help if we actually kind of talk about what things happen in this movie, what Charlie does and what happens to Charlie so that we get a better understanding and the listeners get a better understanding of um of things because there's some big events that are gonna happen here. And so if we just kind of jump around in this review, I don't think it's going to help quite as much. So uh, we open up with Charlie writing um, A Letter to a Friend. Now, the book itself, it's not a long book. I recommend the book highly. Obviously, I'm recommending the the movie highly, so the book itself is fantastic. It's probably 200 pages or so, the book. It's a very short read. Uh, However, in the book, it's written as Letters to a Friend, so, it's not written like your standard novel where it's not a first person or a third person. Um, it is written as Charlie writing letters to somebody that he knows but hasn't met. So he's literally writing letters to somebody who he's hoping to just simply have a connection with, like um, like if you were just write a letter to somebody, pick an address out of a phone book, and start writing a letter to him, you know that kind of thing. So.
1: Yeah, it's like some people are gonna hate me for making this analogy, but like in Twilight, when or New Moon, I guess it was when Alice has deleted her ad her mailing address, but Bella continues to write letters to her, just to have someone to talk to, kind of like that.
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay, that works. Um, so we have Charlie. He's he's getting ready to start his high school career. And it's terrifying, and he's just he's already counting down the days. He already has the amount of days between from here to the day he graduates.
1: Okay, so I grew up where it's just elementary school and high school. so he's been in middle school, so high school is starting grade 10 for him.
0: No um, nine nine okay yeah, usually and it does vary even down here depending on where you are at. but from like for me, elementary school was through sixth grade. Seventh and eighth grade was middle school. We called it junior high. Um, and then high school is ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade.
1: So he's in ninth grade, and uh, Patrick and Sam are in the 12th grade.
0: Yes. Although things are a little different here for a couple of reasons. One, um, he's actually older than he would be as an actual ninth grader and because
1: of the year he was like away.
0: He was away for a year, right? And he was a December, uh, kid, which means he's actually, he's probably around 16, 17 years old now. Gotcha. Just because he's, yeah, from everything that's happened to him. So, uh, so we have Charlie, he's, uh, trying to get through the halls and he's, <laughs> there's seniors that are already kind of messing with the, uh, the freshmen and, uh. Charlie tries to make friends. He sees Susan, who was someone that he and Michael hang out with uh, hung out with uh, Susan, I think actually dated Michael in the book. Um, but now they don't talk. you know, so then we have this scene where Patrick, who we're finally getting introduced to, he decides to impersonate Mr. Callahan, <laughs> who is the shop teacher. And funny fact here, uh, Mr. Callahan is played by the legendary special effects, uh, horror special effects um, guy. Oh, what's his name here? I have it written down. Um,
1: It's not Rip Torn, is it?
0: No. It is, uh, oh, here it is, Tom Savini.
1: Oh okay,
0: okay so Tom Savini is a he's a legendary special effects artist in horror movies, and he was also a Vietnam vet, so it applied to the scene pretty well.
1: He looks super familiar I just couldn't place the name
0: so uh so Patrick uh, impersonates this shop teacher um as a way of making the uh the freshman and the lower classmen you know more comfortable more at ease um, so in return, he gets berated by. Mr. Callahan, and uh, insulted, essentially.
1: Called and
0: nothing. Called nothing. Um, so then we move on to English class, which is where um, we have Mr. Anderson, who is a a playwright who has come to the school. He, I don't know, at some point has decided he wants to be a teacher. And this is one of those perfect scenes, and this really illustrates how introverted he really is Charlie, okay? Because as he's walking around the room, Mr. Anderson is asking all these questions, right? And Charlie knows the answers, and everybody else is shouting out in the class. Everyone else is shouting out all these answers they think to the question they're wrong. And as Mr. Anderson's walking by, he looks down, and Charlie has already written the answer out on his notepad. Yep. So he just simply isn't raising his hand you know and putting himself out there
1: yeah, so we I see like charlie when, yeah go oh, go ahead yeah. yeah i like when he's uh, asked the question about like um the answer was box office but everyone's shouting out different answers and he's just staring down charlie he can see charlie knows that the answer to that question and charlie's looking at him and just yeah, there's that knowing glance that's it's great for film like a lesser person wouldn't have even put that in there you know
0: yeah, well it's a little touch and there are a lot of little touches in this movie as you go through it. Uh just little things. Just a you know, it could be a shot on a clock for 2 seconds <laughs> and it has meaning to it. Yeah. So, uh that's just one of those shots where yeah, we we see Mr. Anderson recognize right from the start that Charlie knows the answer and uh he just isn't saying the answer. He's not standing up raising his hand and you know saying what he already knows to be true um so it's this journey from charlie going from this to somebody who is ready to blossom i guess essentially is what we're watching happen slowly throughout this this uh this movie
1: yeah very much so he just starts out as you know he's super introverted like Introverted compared to introverts. <laughs> like, and just, you know, being around two people who are extreme etro- extroverts it be- brings them kind of in the middle.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, we move on to a dinner scene at the family home where his sister Candace has brought home her boyfriend, Ponytail <laughs> Pony Derek. Uh, this guy, this kid. You know, I in want this scene, to
1: take scissors to his hair so bad.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's it's bad. Uh, it's really bad. But on top of that, he's he's this boyfriend who is trying way too hard in this scene to get along with the parents. He's like complimenting um, Charlie's mother on the the delicious meal, and you can see his dad is just rolling his eyes, like he can see right through this kid. You know. Yeah.
1: Like you're a big guy, but you're a complete pussy.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I think his dad even like mumbles that.
0: <laughs> yeah, his, his dad. I his his dad has opinions, and uh, <laughs> he's the kind of guy that would tell you exactly what he's thinking.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. So, um, we move on to uh, the next scene, and we have Charlie. He's kind of walking down from the dinner table and uh, Candace is saying goodbye to Ponytail Derek comes back in and hands Charlie this mixtape right apparently Ponytail Derek has been giving her mixtapes like every single day and so Charlie takes it he's like fine whatever i'll take it cool goes up and he listens to it and uh Ponytail Derek may be an absolute horror <laughs> However, if there's one redeeming quality, it's that he has a sleep on the cassette tape. So.
1: Yeah, which he which um Charlie gravitates to immediately. It instantly connects with them. Hopefully so. <laughs> that's a great song.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then Charlie's going through the halls and that stupid uh girl, the blonde, the the one that's gotten straight A's since like The one
1: who like uh, instantly says "nice trapper faggot" to him, like first thing out of her mouth.
0: They drag him into the bathroom because they ask him if he's done the the pop quiz already for the book that they're studying, and they drag him in there obviously to get the answers. So we have, you know, you have a couple scenes here where we have uh, it kind of shows his isolation. He's kind of wandering through. the halls, and he's going into um, what would be the cafeteria. He can't find anybody to sit with, so he sits by himself with a book, and he eats and he reads. So then we go on to football game, <laughs> and this Which is where I don't he get meets why Patrick. he
1: goes to the football game. I being think it's. So
0: a, I think he goes. Well, there's a couple reasons. One, his brother was on the football team until right, right. this. Way. So. He probably goes to watch the football games, or did, to watch his brother. And I think it's just a way for him to just kind of get out and not be at home, which might be preferable, actually. So he sits down, and two girls come down, and they insult Patrick by calling him nothing because they think they're being clever, which, of course, they're not. And uh, this is a very courageous scene. I really like this scene because... It would have been so easy for Charlie to continue to sit there. Yep. Sit there for three hours and not do anything. But instead, he gets up, goes up, goes up the, the bleachers and makes contact with Patrick, says hello. Patrick recognizes him from the shop class and invites him to sit next to him. Thus begins a great friendship.
1: Yeah, it. it you're right. It is super courageous. Like, I even felt when I was watching that, like... If he shoots Charlie down, I mean he's just gotten in like embarrassed in front of like hundreds of people. Like that's so brave of him to do, to go up and talk to this guy and have the risk of being like humiliated.
0: Right. So then um, as they're kind of just chatting uh for a minute, um, uh, you know, he asks Patrick about do you like football? Patrick's like, I love football, da-da. And then he recognizes him um, as from his brother. And that's when Sam strolls up. Um, Yeah. So Charlie turns his (laughs) head. Yep. uh, Charlie turns his head. And we see Emma Watson for the first time. And she has short hair. Yeah.
1: This is when Uh, she went pixie cut.
0: This is when she went pixie cut. And um, I have a particular fondness for pixie cuts. So.
1: Um, <laughs> like so, yeah, crush hardcore,
0: <laughs> right? Like I didn't already. So, <laughs> uh, well, we all, we, we all have celebrity crushes. So, oh yeah, you know, I mean, we know your list is pretty lengthy.
1: It is,
0: <laughs> right? So, yeah. So anyway, um, so we see Sam for the first time. She sits down. Uh, Charlie introduces himself. Um, and they just chat chat a little bit about where the next party is going to be that night. Uh, the team wins; they score the winning touchdown, and that's when we move on to the next scene, which is the two of them at Kings.
1: And there's a line here um, when they're still at the football game, talking about where they're going to go to. Um, and they're talking about a guy. I don't know the guy's name. Um, but they mentioned he's still trying to shag that waitress from the Olive Garden, and Patrick says, Oh, please, he's never tossing that salad. And I literally choked on the drink I was drinking, because I don't know if it was intentional or not, because it's a very subtle innuendo, because there's an urban dictionary meaning behind it, and I'm not sure, like, if it was intentional or not, but it's so, it could be a really dirty remark by Patrick. I really appreciated it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I know, I know what that remark means. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tossing, tossing the salad is, uh, it's a sexual act. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Go look, yeah. Go look it up. Urban dictionary um, that. Right. It's a, it's a little different, uh, I think for sure. It's
1: a little freaky.
0: Right. Right. So, uh, not to be entered into lightly. (laughs) So that's that's yeah okay <laughs>
1: anyways diner
0: <laughs> right um so yeah so we have this great scene you know we have the three of them sitting there uh, they're just getting to know one another and at this point charlie confuses the two of them as like dating you know because obviously you can see they're very comfortable with, with each other you know patrick and sam um, they get along really well. They're sitting next to each other, Sa- or Charlie's on the other side by himself. So he assumes that they're together, and that's when we find out that they are in fact step siblings. Yes.
1: So and it's a very platonic, uh, yeah, eccentric yeah. relationship.
0: Right. This is definitely there's there's trust me there's there's zero and I mean zero sexual tension, <laughs> none of that here. Trust me, and it's it's no different in the book. Okay, so and I'm sure there's fanfic out there, you know, but. Uh, it's just not the way it is it's not the way it is so um so then we move on to charlie back at home and he's looking outside and he sees um well actually no what happens i'm sorry i skipped ahead so charlie comes home and that's when he sees a ponytail Derek slap his sister in the face
1: yeah they're having an argument and he just snaps and hits her
0: Right, and uh, Candace tells Charlie it's okay, don't tell Mom and Dad. And then we see him go out to the window while he's at his room, and we can see Candace and Ponytail Derek are outside, and he gets into his vehicle and leaves. Charlie confronts his sister down at the steps uh, outside, inside the doorway, and Candace is like, it won't happen again. I, I Essentially what she says is, I deserved it. I pushed him too far, da-da-da.
1: Yeah, she's um, like... <laughs> That right. just makes nah. me cringe inside, like, you should right. have taken that poker and gutted him. <laughs>
0: like, right. Um, but <sighs> this is 1992, so things aren't quite as, I think, progressive. I mean, granted, I'm not saying 1992 wasn't, but, I, th- you know, obviously as, as each decade goes by, um, what is accepted um, just on a day-to-day basis is less and less. Yeah. So whereas in 1992, I think, you know something like this would occur if it was today i think candace would have you know pulled a khaleesi and set him on fire or something with dragons oh
1: hell yeah so <laughs> <laughs> there are things i've wanted to do to this guy just you know tie the ponytail to like the fireplace and set it off
0: <laughs> Ooh, harsh absolutely harsh. not
1: that harsh he'd right. live
0: so then we move on to the next scene which is like the homecoming dance. And Charlie of course is sitting by himself. Yep. Meanwhile Pat Patrick and Sam are out on the dance floor and they are just going nuts. I mean, they're dancing. <laughs> a well, good time. actually, yeah, well for actually first they're actually not dancing and then um they play Dexie's Midnight Runner.
1: So of course um, they have to dance.
0: <laughs> so they're like, yeah, this is like the song, so they go out and they just start dancing and uh eventually Charlie gets up and slowly makes his way on the dance floor another courageous act again we're seeing we're seeing him put himself in a situation which could be embarrassing for himself but he's doing it anyway and that's courage
1: yeah and putting himself out there in the middle of the dance floor oh yeah big time that's balls
0: (laughs) yeah i mean he didn't have to do it. He could have just stayed there. But his friends are out on the dance floor, they're trying, they're showing him that it's okay to come out and he does that.
1: Yeah. Big move for him.
0: Yeah. So then we move on to the party. All right? This is Charlie's first party. Um this there's, there's the tossed salad. Uh well, I guess not the tossed salad comment, but um the guy Bob Bob yeah, he like tried to get with the chick from uh what's it called again olive garden olive garden that's right and uh so that didn't work obviously but they go inside and this is charlie's first party patrick kind of goes down shows him around and that's when we meet mary elizabeth and her friend who i cannot think of allison i think alice you're right yes alice and um you know patrick Patrick doesn't have a filter, so <laughs> Patrick doesn't care. He'll say whatever he wants. So yeah. Um he's like, Hey, this is Charlie, and I'm expecting I'm expecting some very nice blowjobs from the two of you. So, you know, <laughs> Super
1: like, subtle. <laughs>
0: yes, thank you, Patrick. Lovely. Very nice. So, um Yeah,
1: he's a great his his personality is just fantastic though. Like there's nothing wrong with his personality. They nailed it.
0: Oh, it was perfect. Oh, yeah. And he reflects the Patrick in the book perfectly to a T. So then Bob comes over with brownies. And Ugh. Charlie says, you know, we were going to stop at King's. And we just didn't have time. And uh, he's starving. So he, of course, grabs one of these brownies, starts stuffing it in his mouth. And we go, <laughs> we jump to a, another cut where we see... Uh, he is completely stoned. He's so um, baked. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and it turns out this scene here, when you hear him talking about touching the, the carpet and everything, <laughs> Stephen Chbosky said that uh, when they were filming this, it was the end of the day, and Logan Lerman was so tired that uh, it actually worked perfectly because he was so tired he actually looked stoned. So it really just worked zoned out perfectly. Just right out. <laughs> yeah, he was just... He did the scene with like no energy, and it worked perfectly because <laughs> his, his character wouldn't have any anyway. So, and, the, and everyone finds it hilarious. And I love the comment he makes about Mary Elizabeth's hair. Like uh, Mary Elizabeth, um, you're gonna look back in like a decade and <laughs> regret gonna, that hair choice. Gonna, yeah, and, and I love Alice says, uh, yeah, he's kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> and that again, that was um, that was improvised. That was just. The actor making a decision and went with it and it worked
1: yeah he's fantastic he did a lot better stoned than i thought he'd be just eating that whole brownie like when you eat pot it's much harsher high so i expected him to be quite a bit loopier but it was fantastic
0: (laughs) right so then uh we have sam he she comes up she's like did you get him stoned and drags Charlie up and Charlie wants a milkshake. So just <laughs>
1: the cutest thing ever.
0: Right. <laughs> right. It's so and,
1: innocent.
0: Right. Cause he is. And you just want to give him a big hug, you know, tell him <laughs> everything's going to be fine. <laughs> right. So she takes him into the kitchen. she starts pouring out the ice cream and the milk and, um, he's sitting there and he's, he, so he tells us she has the most beautiful brown eyes in the world. And she's just like, okay, Charlie, yep, whatever. Uh let's get this making this milkshake for you. You'll be fine. And um that's when we learn, the audience, that uh his best friend killed himself.
1: Yeah, and, I love the reaction from Sam. Uh Emma Watson did it perfectly, where she just that you know a taken back kind of shock her her expressions was perfect like just a full understanding in that moment
0: oh yeah she does she understands okay no wonder charlie is how he is he doesn't have any friends and his best friend had killed himself last year you know um it's not the thing you expect someone to say you know that's the last thing on her mind when she asked that question where's michael tonight so, uh, he wants to go to the bathroom. So he goes up, comes out of the bathroom and he accidentally goes into the wrong door and Patrick and Brad, Brad, who is the high school football, uh, quarterback of the high school football team are in there, um, making out. So they sure are. Right. And I was just so,
1: like, when he opened the door, I was like, Whoa, okay. Right. What did they give you?
0: So yeah, so Brad is obviously freaked out because, you know, someone he doesn't know has seen them together. But Patrick reassures him, goes out and tells Charlie, I need you to keep this a secret between the two of us. And Charlie goes back downstairs and... Uh, there is the milkshake, which is delicious. So he's sitting there between Mary Elizabeth and Alice, just talking about how this is like the best milkshake. And it's even better than the last one. So he's obviously had two milkshakes then, that was so cute. which is great. Which is great. Um, and Sam goes up and tells Patrick what happened that you know, his best friend killed himself and that he has no friends. And we get this wonderful scene, a part of the scene here where Patrick, Toasts Charlie to make him feel welcome and wanted um she he calls everybody over, they toast Charlie, and he says for what and he said um you know, um, I didn't think anybody noticed me, and that's when Patrick says that uh you know you're a wallflower you you observe, you watch and you know, Charlie doesn't think that there's any reason why they would they would want him to be around them. But that's when you know he learns. Hey, look, you know they didn't think there, that there was anybody else cool to like, and and for and unfortunately, they found Charlie or they found each other. So
1: it's beautiful. they go home.
0: Yeah, it is. It's great. It's just, it's his way of making him feel better. And then uh, Sam says, "Welcome to the welcome to the."
1: Mm, mis- a uh, land of I'll, misfits. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, welcome to the island of misfit toys. That's it. Yes. So, you know, obviously that intimates that, you know, a lot of these people are quasi outsiders. You know, they're not really in the popular group necessarily, but they're fine with that. They kind of just do their thing. Yep. So, uh, then we have uh, the drive back. They're taking Charlie home. They're going through the uh, the pit tunnel. It's one of my
1: favorite scenes.
0: Um, oh, it's great, and I know this tunnel. I've been through it many times. This was filmed in
1: Pittsburgh, right? Uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Yeah. And
0: I went to and I went to college in Pittsburgh, so
1: so you um, know it well.
0: <laughs> I know it well. So they're playing David Bowie's um, "We Can Be Heroes."
1: They sure are.
0: And uh, Sam gets up and stands up in the back of the truck as they're going through the tunnel. Charlie's looking back at her. And she's just looking, you know, beautiful and she smiles at him. And it's just this this freeing moment. And that's when Charlie looks at Patrick and says, "Um, I feel infinite, which is a wonderful way of of being young and feeling like you have so much ahead of you that you you don't know even – you have no sense of – there's nothing finite about your life yet, you know. Yeah.
1: It's such a substantial moment, that song. It's it's just the center of all, like, all their real moments of life, especially moments of realization and freedom and passion. And it's everything you feel when Sam hops into the back and stands against the wind. It's just pure freedom, you know?
0: It's that youth, that that freedom of youth and freedom of and beginning to figure out who you are kind of freedom, which is something we all go through. Yep. So so Charlie is um, lip syncing to s- songs that Sam gave him, power ballads, uh, which is great. And I have to admit that Logan Lerman is an excellent lip syncer, by the way. Um, really puts a lot of effort into it. Um, like he really knows the songs and everything. So that's great. Um, so then we have this scene. They're, uh, they're in church. And uh, they're just kind of sitting there, taking in the the sermon. And Charlie looks over and sees uh, Brad and his father sitting next to each other. And this is all happening in this scene, within a scene, in a way, because before this, there's uh, we learned that Patrick and Brad have been dating for a while. And initially, after they'd met, Charlie didn't understand that a lot of Patrick's mm, kind of nothing matters kind of attitude stems from this. So Patrick and Brad have been dating for a while, but every time they would fool around, um, Brad would have to get you know stoned wasted. or drunk. He'd have to get wasted. Then he'd wake up the next day and be like, I was totally wasted. I don't remember a thing. And eventually um there he was able to get Brad sober, um but they still had to keep everything a secret.
1: So Yeah, slow steps in their life and probably were waiting till they got out of high school to even be public with any of this because of Brad's parents or his father specifically.
0: Yes. So now the next scene is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Love this Which so much. Is amazing. I mean, it's amazing.
1: There's nothing more I wanted in my life than to watch a live action Rocky Horror. This is like, you know, fulfilling that. Getting to watch, you know, people who aren't from the Rocky Horror be doing the Rocky Horror. Man, and they did it me, so well.
0: And tell me, Ezra Miller playing Patrick isn't perfect as.
1: Oh my god, like, uh, amazing.
0: It's just perfection. Um, I love when he gets in he gets in Charlie's lap, sits down. I know. And just,
1: Charlie's just like, I, I don't know what to do.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's just great. Uh, you feel like it was filmed off the cuff or something. Like <laughs> it's just like almost like Ezra or uh, Logan Lerman wasn't expecting that and they just did it, you know, without telling him. Cause he they didn't
1: just, tell him the cameras were going. Like was like, just, just go fuck with him. We'll just keep right. filming, but don't tell him.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, and then, of course, Sam is up on stage, and she's uh, in in this whole thing as well. And uh, yeah, she's um it, well, she's uh, Janet.
1: Thank you. Yes, Janet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that works perfectly.
1: Yeah, she's got uh, that down pat.
0: <laughs> so the next scene, they're at another party, right? So um we have Sam. Sitting next to Charlie, and they have this great scene where Charlie pulls out pulls out a mixtape because he wants to express how he feels. And they have the the chemistry between Emma Watson and Logan Lerman um, is pretty palpable in this movie. In fact, um, I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but I I heard that they may have dated for a little while. Um, I can see it. There's point. a
1: level of intensity just between them, even talking.
0: Right. So. Yeah, so she's really astounded by his his uh, taste in music, which apparently was much better than hers when she was his age. Um, Apparently, she just listened to the top forty hits, Um, (laughs) which I I found that to be pretty funny. um, Just because that's most people know the top forty hits, and you know, people that are more indie um, take pride in being above that, I guess. Like like the Smiths, (laughs) right. Like, okay, thank you. Uh, I'll just listen to The Smiths. You listen to your top 40 hits. (laughs) So, uh, unfortunately, Sam is dating a moron. (laughs) God, I hate this guy. I hate him. (laughs) I mean, he is such an asshole.
1: Yep, sure is. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so his got his name is Craig. He is a Craig. photographer. Kind of name is Craig, right? <laughs> Come
1: on. Sorry for anyone whose name Craig. Listening to
0: right. This. Yeah. If your name Craig, it's just I this feel...
1: Craig isn't. His name's bad.
0: No, if your name is Craig, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> it's just Craig. Come on. Tell you, tell well, we had to... like
1: two people named Craig. Just turn the podcast.
0: <laughs> go to your mom and say, "Mom, I need a new name."
1: <laughs> mom, why?
0: <laughs> what did I do to deserve the name Craig? Okay. <laughs> So anyway, um, <laughs> as I boldly attack all Craig's across the country. Uh, no, no, seriously. It's just this Craig here. He's just a complete and utter jerk. He is a, oh, he's so pretentious. He is so pretentious. He's a lot of things. He's a lot of things. So he basically rips... Uh, Charlie's uh, mixtape out of the player. And he's like, yeah, this is too, like... Depressing. Too depressing. (laughs) We need to throw on some good music. So, ugh, he throws on some whatever and plays it. (laughs) So then uh, Sam and Craig are dancing. And it looks initially like Sam and Charlie are dancing. But then Charlie blinks and he realizes it's just Craig. So he's starting to hallucinate a little bit.
1: Always a good sign, sure. (laughs) Right. Doesn't tell us anything's wrong.
0: No, of course not. Just that he's seeing things that aren't there.
1: Totally normal.
0: Right. Well Charlie's offered to help Sam with her SATs because apparently they didn't go too well. So they decide no. to study together.
1: And he's like, Of course I'll help you study. Like more time with you for sure.
0: Right. Well, I would do the same. So uh, we have the two of them in King's restaurant, which apparently this is the actual King's restaurant that Stephen Chbosky grew up going to. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, I love so touches he, like that. Yes, in fact, his family, his his mom and dad, eat there three times a week.
1: That's awesome. To like, this day, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool if, like, in one of the scenes, his parents are just like in the background eating.
0: There is a couple. His sister shows up in one scene, and his his nephew also shows up. So that's, that's cool. pretty cool, yeah. So they meet there. Uh, they're doing their thing, studying for the test. We're seeing the the seasons go by because they're changing the banners in the background of kings after each cut, and um, it all culminates in Sam, you know, doing well.
1: Yeah, she's learning and studying and progressing, and she's you know getting real smart.
0: And it worked because she doesn't have to take her SATs. She got a, but she got like some, like a 1200 or something in the SATs. So, um, that's it for her. And she's so happy. And and I love this scene, this Christmas scene. I love this scene so much. Um, (laughs) and of course the next one, even more, but, um, it's such a great one. So it is now Christmas or roughly Christmas. And, um, charlie is there at a party and it's like a, a secret santa thing where you don't know who like you'll get gifts but you don't know who they're from specifically and then you have to guess who was who your secret santa
1: yeah so. i love that um allison got so many gifts that were jeans but she paid for them right well it's that a little cute. bit of
0: a, a joke because in the book alice um she just steals all her jeans, even though her family's so rich she could afford to pay for them, so Yeah,
1: so this one she actually paid for. It was really right. cute.
0: So it was a big it was a big deal. <laughs> uh so Patrick gets up there and he kind of, you know, knocks off the list of all the things that he has that he got from somebody and then he of course guessed that it it's Charlie, which is true. Charlie stands up and says, okay, well, I got a pair of dress shoes, I got a pair of dress pants, I got this belt, I got this shirt. And he thinks that Mary Elizabeth uh, gave it to him. And she says, why would you think that? And he says, because you boss boss everyone around. (laughs) He's so mean to her.
1: I don't know why she likes it. Right. Uh, Makes fun of her hair, makes fun of her personality. Like, what a jerk.
0: (laughs) Right, wow. Wow. Yeah, but then again she is kind of bossy anyway, so
1: maybe <laughs> true, a, but you don't she, say it. And
0: she's a Buddhist who is a punk. So you know Which is kind
1: of amazing in right. and of itself.
0: <laughs> right. Doesn't make any sense. Um so anyway, it turns out that it was uh, Patrick. And because all great writers have great suits. Yep. So, so Charlie goes back and puts on his tie and his coat jacket. And I love the look that Sam gives him when he walks out. It's such it's a very short little you know it's like one or two seconds, but you can see on her face the the wow factor you know, and I think it
1: makes an impact
0: it does like it's almost like almost like takes her breath away like wow, I mean hot, you know and uh, it's stylish. such a great thing, and while and while he's gone and ha- while he went to get all his stuff on, um, he was passing out all these Secret Santa gifts. Even though technically that's not how it's done,
1: but he wanted to get a gift for everyone.
0: And apparently, yeah, and I love Patrick's line, Mary Elizabeth. Why are you trying to eat Christmas? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Which apparently, but it was off the cuff. Um, that was just some line that Ezra Miller came up with on the fly. So, That's awesome. Right. Uh, so, and this shows you exactly why Charlie is such a good wallflower. Because every gift that people get, he he gave them, are all perfect for them.
1: Yeah. Little pieces of who they are.
0: Right. So, Bob has Bubbles. Um, Alice, uh, I'm trying to remember what Alice got. I can't off the top of my head. I don't remember what she got in the book either, but, uh, Mary Elizabeth got money so that she could print Rocky Horror in color. Yeah. And, uh, Patrick, I think Patrick, from remember correctly, I think he got like a note or something. I don't remember exactly what that was, but then Sam, Sam got a, uh, LP, a record of, the Beatles something, yes, and I love that, and there's two reasons why this is so amazing one because he's it's like he's telling her you're something, you're somebody, you know you are you are not nothing, you're somebody, and the second thing is that was the gift that his aunt Helen had gone to buy him for his birthday when she died,
1: yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting undertones with that gift.
0: Right. If Charlie's willing to give that to Sam, that's a big deal. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, I don't think she'll ever understand, you know, how big that gift was for him to give her.
0: Right. Exactly. So Yeah, so anyway, he comes out, it's it's obviously a huge hit. Everyone's clapping. Patrick's going crazy. Um he loves how he looks and thinks he's looking fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. It, this next scene is amazing. It really is. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to play this next scene here. All right. And uh, after you hear it, it's a few minutes long. Um, so, I apologize for not trying to cut. Here's the thing, and I'm just going to say this up, str- up front. Um, clips, when I do clips, I have a hard time cutting them down because I think a lot of times if you try to cut things out, uh, just to try to cut them down a little bit, you get a, a lot of the context cut out from things that are being said, right? Because, you know, we can't see it. It's not like a movie where you can look at something on screen. It's It's only the audio, so you need to hear everything that happens to understand what's going on. Um so listen to this clip and then we'll chat about it once it's done.
2: Where are we going? It's a surprise. Is this your room? Mm-hmm. So cool. Thanks. You got me a present? After all, you help helping my Penn State application? Of course I did. Open it! I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. sorry we can't be here for your birthday. No, it's okay. Just sorry you have to go back and visit your dad. I'm in such a good mood, I don't think even he could ruin it. I feel like I'm finally doing good. You are. Well, what about you? When I met you, you were this scared freshman. Now, look at you in that suit. You're like a sexy English schoolboy. I saw Mary Elizabeth checking you out. No. Innocent worst kind of guys never see you coming and parents love you that's like extra danger yeah well it hasn't worked so far you've never had a girlfriend not even like a second-grade Valentine Nope. have you ever kissed a girl no what about you have I ever kissed a girl no no your first kiss I was 11. His name was Robert. He used to uh, come over to the house all the time. Was he your first boyfriend? He was my... He was my dad's boss. You know, Charlie, I used to sleep with guys who treated me like shit and, and get wasted all the time. But now I feel like I have a chance, like I... I could even get into a real college. It's true, you can do it. You really think so? My aunt had that same thing done to her, too. And she turned her life around. She must have been great. Who was my favorite person in the world, until now? Charlie, I know that you know I like Craig. But I, I want to forget about that for a minute, okay? Okay. I just want to make sure that the first person who kisses you... Loves you, okay?
0: Okay, so what did you think of this this next scene here? They go up to her room and she gives him her gift and it's yeah, a the it's type a type writer. it's a typewriter so so yeah, talk a little bit about why this scene is so impactful and awesome or at least I think so.
1: love the gift uh that was you know a perfect little touch, and he's like you didn't have to give me a gift he's like uh what? Like, of course I did. You've been helping me for like months. He'd help me get into Penn State. Like, yeah, it's justified. And they go sit on her bed and they're just talking and, um, talking, she's asking Charlie, like, you had a girlfriend, you ever been kissed? And, uh, of course he hasn't, which is, you know, mind blowing to her. Um, And he asked her if she's ever kissed anybody. And she's like, are you asking if I've ever kissed a girl? (laughs) I know. I like
0: how how playful that that was. Yeah. You know, it was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like that. She says it to be a buffer in between, you know, having to tell the real truth, which is that her first kiss was when she was 11 by her father's boss. Yes. Is that right? Like that's disgusting. Right. And, And, So he learns, like, you know, where her her promiscuity and that wild side of her is stemmed from. uh, And she tells him, like, she's dated and been with a lot of horrible people and been wasted to be with them. And that she doesn't want his first kiss to be, you know, from somebody that doesn't love him. And so she kisses him and it says that she loves him It's such a beautiful scene, especially with the golden pink lights in the background. It's just like this kind of ethereal moment all the same. And it's, it's beautiful. I love the scene.
0: It is great. I mean, the whole thing, the writing, the acting, um, all the stuff that that's there. It's just fantastic. It really is. Um, I love it. I love the scene. I love that in a lot of ways Sam already knows how she feels about Charlie, I think. I think the the gift scene downstairs or when he came out in his suit really crystallized uh for her, you know, her attraction, you know, to him. And, in this moment, and she knows she's you know likes Craig and she's dating him um but I think it's beginning to dawn on her that that maybe Charlie is the the better person for her, but at this point, she's still so far along with Craig that she probably can't justify doing that, but in this moment, she just wants everything to go away, she wants to, you know to forget about Craig for five minutes and and kiss Charlie and let him know that she loves him. I mean, it's just about as perfect as you can get.
1: <laughs> yeah, very much so. A very uh, it's a very coming of age moment, you know, your his first kiss, uh tagged in with, you know, the real world emotional trauma that she's gone through that correlates with his own. I mean beautifully written
0: right right so yeah uh just a great scene so then we see a scene between charlie and his aunt helen and yeah. it's this scene where um they're putting out the uh oh, what are they it? like the oh there's a name for those candles and i can't think of it off the top
1: lantern of my
0: head. the of lanterns yeah it's it's they're, you know, they do it on the street, so it's like the runway for Santa is what they're trying to show. Super cute. And that's when Aunt Helen tells Charlie that she's going to go and get his his gift for him, his uh, birthday present, because his birthday is on Christmas.
1: Isn't Christmas Eve? Or, or isn't it
0: Christmas? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. No, Christmas Eve. I think you're right. I think it's Christmas Eve. Oh. So she's on her way to get the gift. And... um, that's when she gets into a car accident, right?
1: Yeah, semi-truck just T-bones her. Yeah. So we do so, know how she dies.
0: Right. And so Charlie's brother comes home. Charlie's brother is going to Penn State, which, um, yeah. I mean, Penn State is like 20 minutes away from me.
1: <laughs> is that where you went or do you go somewhere different?
0: I went to Pittsburgh, uh, art art school in Pittsburgh,
1: Oh, the Art so. Institute? Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So, but Penn State is like right down the street for me. So,
1: my husband went there too, online division.
0: Oh, really? Sweet. Yep. Nice. That's funny. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, big deal. Um, so, his, his brother is a football player, and um, Penn State's a highly ranked team. His brother's home for the holidays. Um, there's all the hugs and food and everything. And then he and his brother have this chat where his brother asks him if he's seeing things. And Charlie says uh, no. And even if I did, I have friends and, um, to lean on. And he admits that he's going to ask Sam out this weekend. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen because, well, for one, he takes acid um, at the party. And the second thing is that Craig and Sam are obviously very much together.
1: Yeah, I felt so bad. Like and he's just so sad and high. Right. <laughs> like it's pathetically cute.
0: Like just, you just watching give,
1: him like just, I know. Give, just give him a hug. Right. Just like he's making the he's shoveling the snow in a circle. And you just wanna be like, Okay, come come here, buttercup. We're gonna go inside now, get you out of the cold. I'll make you a milkshake. And, the dragon can give it to you.
0: Right. So Sam comes out and um, she calms him down a little bit and puts these glasses on his eyes to protect him. Uh, apparently from the dragons that turn into <laughs> a tree that turn back into dragons or something like that.
1: Something, you know, high people talk about.
0: Right. So, yeah, fun times. So they start up with the stars together And that's when uh, Charlie's walking home, and he kind of falls on the ground, makes this snow angel, and wakes up in the hospital.
1: Yeah, and the cops find him, like, passed out, uh, and they're pretty much sure it's from drugs, but he doesn't want his parents to know that he took drugs and doesn't want, like, you know, not be able to see his friends, right? It's every kid's, you know, worst nightmare is not being able to see their friends. Right. So he's lying about it, but they think he's starting to see visions again right. for his episodes.
0: Right. So uh, we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show again. Unfortunately, <laughs> the guy that's supposed to be there flaked out, and Charlie has to go in and do it himself, because he's probably seen the show like a billion times anyway.
1: <laughs> Watching it every time.
0: Right. So they do the show; it's a hit. Charlie does a great job. He gets a standing ovation.
1: He gets and... to touch uh, oh, uh, Sam's yeah. boobs,
0: <laughs> right? Because you get—it's to... hilarious because his hands are up to where, like, I think he feels like if I just put them here, that'll get the point across. And she grabs his hands yep. and just puts them there. And I'm, I thought—I mean, if if that happened to me, I'd be like, "What are you trying to tell me?"
1: <laughs> I thought for sure this is going to be a horrible moment where he gets a hard on and everyone sees. <laughs> That was just going to be like the moment he crashes.
0: Yeah, a hard on, not a heart on, like our uh, <laughs> Friday Night Mike's podcast. Entirely yeah, a different, worse. right? Um, yeah, I don't even know. As, I don't even know as an actor how you don't do that. <laughs> you know, just as an actor. I mean, let me talk about the just scene. Just think
1: like hurricanes, dead puppies, famine,
0: be- baseball, baseball, baseball. Right. Right. So. um... Uh, So then in this grand gesture of courage on her part, Mary Elizabeth asks, um, because you've ever heard of a Sadie Hawkins dance?
1: I didn't know what it was till this movie. I've heard of it, but I never knew what it was.
0: Okay, so Sadie Hawkins dance, for anybody that isn't familiar, is uh, a dance in which the girl asks the boy. And so... It's just strange. So she asks Charlie... And Charlie says, okay, because he's like, yeah, fine, I'll go with whatever. We see the uh, City Hawkins dance. Sam is by herself because apparently um, Craig is being an asshole. Big surprise.
1: Really shock. Uh,
0: (laughs) Right. So Charlie goes over and leans against the wall and talks to her for a bit. And you can see on Mary Elizabeth's face that she's a little worried um almost like is is he really standing next to the person he should be with you know that kind of thing
1: yeah and so, just when you're on a date with somebody you don't expect them to go and talk to another girl even if it is in your circle of friends
0: right so Sam goes off she obviously isn't in great mood and um unfortunately Charlie and Mary Elizabeth take it to the next level
1: And she takes it to the next level. He's just kind of letting that happen.
0: Yeah. And And not doing anything to stop it. He's doing it in typical Charlie fashion, meaning he just goes along with whatever.
1: (laughs) He just sits there and lets it, you know, escalate.
0: And then um, after that's all done, Parents come home. They get their clothes back on super fast, and uh, she so drops him. Did oh. they
1: have sex or were they just making out? And second I base, I
0: think that it was making out and second base and stuff like that. So okay, right. That's
1: what I thought too, but I like they kind of cut it weird, so I didn't know.
0: Right, right. So yeah, um, and she's like, after they kiss a little bit, and she's like, I can't believe you're my boyfriend, and I'm like. <laughs> And like, his no. in his face just says what what? Like um, we didn't
1: talk about this,
0: right? So then she takes him home, drops him off. He doesn't have the courage to break to like tell her, you know, I don't want to date you. So he just goes along with it.
1: Yeah. just just like uh, unemotionally attached, you know, tag along. He's your friend that has to deal with your girlfriend aspects.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And she's got some bad ones.
0: Right. Like just
1: talking on the phone for hours after school. Like, it's me time. Go away.
0: Destroying all the books that Mr. Anderson gives him.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. How do you not like fork her in the arm?
0: (laughs) Right. And he's getting so mad on the phone. Like, he just puts the receiver down and walks away (laughs) for like 10 minutes. And he comes back and she hasn't stopped talking. He tries to like interrupt and she's like, He tries to break up with her. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, like, Charlie, uh, please don't interrupt. You know, I hate it when you do that. So it's like, Okay, sorry. I couldn't get a word in in 10
1: minutes. Yeah. I was like, I would, you know, be putting my lips around the barrel of a gun if I had to deal with you every day. Right.
0: <laughs> um, so then we have a party here. Um, it's truth or dare, and
1: uh, oh, I cringed this, so hard. I
0: tell you what, I do feel bad for Mary Elizabeth in this because that's just bad. That's just so bad.
1: <laughs> that's something that's gonna hurt you for life.
0: Right. So here's what happens. So, uh, Patrick is they're doing truth or dare. Truth or dare. Patrick is dared to make out with Alice. So that was obviously to the group horrifying to watch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you're like, it's your two friends that one has nothing to do with girls in the first place. Kissing a girl. It's just, it's weird.
0: (laughs) Right. So there's the, the, uh, there for charlie well first they ask him if he truth or dare and he says truth and this is when he is kind of like hallucinating the internal monologue right and he, he he's they ask him how his first relationship is going and he says absolutely horrible it's so bad i picture one of us having cancer
1: <laughs> just so i can get out of this relationship <laughs> Which is, it's amazing.
0: So then they snap him awake and they ask him, truth or dare? He says, dare. And Patrick says, he gives him a softball here. I mean, this is like easy, you know? Just like
1: like extra points for your girlfriend.
0: Right. So he's like, kiss the prettiest girl in the room. So for all you guys out there, if this ever happens, you kiss your girlfriend. Don't
1: do what Charlie does.
0: Bad idea. So, yeah. So, anyway, He's they kissing ask him. His girlfriend, yeah. So, he kisses his girlfriend. So, he kisses, the other he kisses Sam.
1: Yeah. And Sam's just taken back and horrified, too, like, because Mary Elizabeth is her friend, and you know, she's, apparently they've had history of uh, guys liking Sam more than, like, Mary Elizabeth, and so this is causing a rift between them and Basically, he just lets the apocalypse loose.
0: <laughs> yeah, this pretty much threw a giant bomb in their group. Yep. So, so they take or Patrick takes him out and says, uh, "I don't think you should talk to anybody or call us or contact us anyway for a while," um, which I found to be forever. By the way, they were acting. Um, yeah,
1: that, I, it felt very like you fucked up and. You're out.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so then he goes home and we, we jump ahead. Like, it's been a couple of weeks. He's on his typewriter and things are getting bad again. So uh, and you feel so bad for him because it's just like, okay, things are getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. What does it mean? And
1: he, it's not like he did it purposefully to hurt Mary Elizabeth. It was just. His brain, the first thing that came into his brain was, "I can kiss her in this moment, and that's all he needed to do that
0: right so he's he tries to call Mary Elizabeth to apologize how he's been listening to this soundtrack all a week, and she's like, "I don't care you know save it for somebody who cares and da 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 and obviously she is you know true to nature, she's not um bending whatsoever.
1: Which is the right thing to do, which is the normal thing to do. When Somebody fucks up like that, you know, don't let them back into your life for a very good while.
0: Right. So, then we have, um, well, we learn that Brad was beaten up by his father.
1: Yeah. His father found out about him and Patrick.
0: And, um...
1: Patrick looks like an empty shell of a human being compared to who he is walking through the halls.
0: Right. So um, there's this this scene just oh, killed me. It's hard. So Patrick is in zombie mode and he's just kind of grabbing his lunch and walking through. That's when one of the jocks at uh, Brad's table trips him. Patrick gets and up calls and him says, nothing. "Call him nothing." And Patrick gets up and says, "You're gonna do anything about this?" And Brad, of course, has got to protect himself, and so he just feigns innocence and, and makes it sound like, you know, Patrick's got this obsession with him or something. And um, that's when they they come like face to face, and um, Patrick walks away, and that's when Brad. <sighs> Brad calls him a faggot and
1: oh, bad move, Brad. So Stupid move.
0: Patrick goes and punches him in the face, and the other guys get up and, you know, hold Patrick while one kind of just starts punching him. And that's Sam when Sam tries
1: to intervene, yeah. but they just throw her away, like onto the ground like she's nothing. Right. No one's getting in there.
0: Right. And that's when all of a sudden Charlie appears and just couple quick cuts and there's guys on the ground you don't know what's (laughs) happened just people are on the ground he picks Sam, uh picks patrick up and looks at all the guys and says if you touch my friends again i'll blind you and i
1: loved that line that was
0: great was so
1: badass right don't fuck with me
0: (laughs) because you get the sense he's not kidding he will blind you i'm (laughs) crazy right didn't you guys know that already you know
1: yeah, I loved that very much.
0: So Charlie comes out of uh, the school office, and um, Sam's outside, and that's their reunion. Yeah. Now, if you go back to the scene where he screwed up, Sam got up and looked at him and said, "What? What the hell's wrong with you?" And um, my opinion here is that more than anything. When he did that, losing Sam's acceptance of him was worse than everything else. Because Sam, you could tell Sam accepted Charlie for who he was. And when he kissed her instead of Mary Elizabeth, you know, she got up there and she said those words. And, you know, before there was nothing wrong with him. Now, all of a sudden, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know?
1: Yeah. So this was made the moment where they reconcile just all the more sweet because you can see it means the absolute world to him.
0: Right. So, yeah, she's back to just like, you're fine. We're, we're friends. And so he Charlie's back in the group. And when they're over at the, I mean, I'm assuming it's Patrick and uh, uh, Sam's. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, wearing glasses now, tells Charlie that she's dating this other guy, and that he'll just have to get over her, da-da-da, and Charlie's (laughs) just like, whatever, okay, cool, I'm just glad you're happy. So.
1: Yeah, which is all he really cares about is that his friends are happy.
0: Right. Yep. So, Patrick is like, you want to get out of here? Because he's totally messed up from the whole fight in the cafeteria and the whole Brad thing it's just yeah it's terrible so uh, so they go driving around each night and they go to eventually Shenley Park which is where in the book at least a lot of people who are um, gay or bisexual will go there to do stuff
1: to hide out and be with each other
0: sexually yes
1: i'm making it pg here and you're just like yeah they're having sex and fucking.
0: well <laughs> we have been pg so far in this podcast we might as well not start um <laughs> you know it they're you know it's they do their thing whatever it is and you know that's it yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> So anyway, uh, so they, do, they go to Shenley Park and they share stories, and uh, that's when Patrick kisses Charlie because he's so lonely and so distraught and so much pain. And in the book, Charlie just ex- lets it go; he doesn't try to stop anything because he thinks this is what this is what Patrick needs.
1: Yeah, it broke my heart watching you, Patrick, just try and reach out and grasp for any kind of intimacy just to fill the void that he's feeling it's so sad
0: it reminds reminds you of, of charlie reaching out to grasp something at the football game
1: exactly so he's just being like they were his anchor for the time being his crutch
0: right so the next scene is uh, sam getting her results from penn state <laughs> and we find out that she got in
1: Yeah, and the way it was shot, I was like, oh, no, not more bad news. Come on, guys. But, yeah, it was awesome that she actually got in, and it's happy news for her.
0: Right. So uh, Patrick has decided to throw the greatest prank of all time and must have dipped all of the tools in shop class (laughs) in, like, pink paint. Loved it. Yep, it was great.
1: (laughs) Now more female-friendly.
0: Right. <laughs> so um, things are getting worse for Charlie, though. He's starting to see things. Things are getting bad, as he says, and he doesn't yeah, know. How despite to, having yeah, his friends back, he doesn't know how to turn it off. And then we have Mr. Anderson. It's the last day of school, and uh, they share this lovely moment after the class lets out. And Mr. Anderson says, "You know." Uh, you know, it was a pleasure teaching you this year. Can I, can I give you books next year? Even though you know you're not going to have me. And Charlie's like, sure, yeah, great. And that's when Mister Anderson informs Charlie that he and his wife will not be moving to New York. And um, Charlie gives him a hug.
1: I know, so sweet. And Mister Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson doesn't really know what to make of it at first. He's just like, okay, hug it out. <laughs> like, I'll stay. It's okay. <laughs> Right. But it's so sweet like he really appreciates you know Mr. Anderson teaching him and you know being able to talk to him on an intellectual level.
0: Sure. yeah, sounds right. Um, so then we have prom, which Charlie's like taking all these pictures and but as we see the scene play out here, turns out that Craig, Sam's um, boyfriend had been cheating on her the whole time.
1: Oh, they shock.
0: And, uh. Asshole. <laughs> asshole, basically.
1: Like, how? Look at her! Who's better? Right. Like, come
0: on. I mean, stone cold stunner. What the hell's wrong with you? ah uh, God. Moron. Seriously,
1: um, there's no one prettier at that school. Right. No one prettier within a thousand mile radius, guarantee you.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no argument for me. <laughs> so then we move on to graduation. Uh, fun fact: None of the actors here have had ever graduated from high school. Um, That's because crazy. They were too busy acting. <laughs> um, so this is like the only prom and the only um, high school graduation they will ever attend.
1: <laughs> it's kind of cool, though,
0: in their own way. So yeah. So anyway, we move on to. Uh, This is kind of getting... This is like the night before Sam's going to leave because she has to start classes at Penn State right away. Yep, over the summer. Yeah, things appear to be just fine now between everybody, and Charlie gives her all of his books that Mr. Anderson gave him throughout the year. So it's his own personal collection. He's giving part of himself to Sam.
1: Yeah, so she can take it with her. It's such a big thing for him to give You know, these books that have connected him to an intellectual level with Mr. Anderson and into the world of books. Like, that's such a huge thing for him to do.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. So next we have the scene up in her bedroom. Again, I see they're getting everything together. And I have a clip for this. I want to play this because this is huge. Don't you think so?
1: Very much so. And like, a fair warning to you guys, I'm sorry, but a minute of this clip is just like make out sounds. so Right. But it has a point.
0: Right. <laughs> um, I, might, I might try to tamp that down a bit in post-production. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you know there is some of that, and I'm going to do my best to kind of cut down as much as I can. Um, I'll at least try to significantly lessen the... T- kissing and all that so sorry
1: the sound of saliva being passed between two mouths mm,
0: mm, <laughs> just mm.
1: that's what i want to hear at work monday morning having my coffee well <laughs> uh,
0: yeah well it's better than than sex sounds you know
1: <laughs> yeah so. i guess it's a slight better. <laughs> it's a step up
0: it's a step up <laughs> uh, okay anyway so I'm going to play you this clip here, and then we'll talk a little bit about it once it's over.
2: I had lunch with Craig today. Yeah? He said he was sorry and that I was right to break up with him. I'm driving away and just feeling so small. Just asking myself, why do I and everyone I love pick people who treat us like we're nothing? We accept the love we think we deserve. Then why didn't you ever ask me out? I um, I, I just didn't think that you wanted that. Well, what did you want? Well, I just want you to be happy. Don't you get it, Charlie? I can't feel that. It's really sweet and everything, but you can't just sit there and put everybody's lives ahead of yours and think that counts as love. I don't want to be somebody's crush. I want people to like the real me. I know who you are, Sam. I know I'm quiet. And and I know I should speak more. If you knew the things that uh that were in my head most of the time, you'd know what it really meant. How how much we're alike and and how we've been through the same things. And and you're not small, you're beautiful. Nothing.
0: Okay. So what did you think of this clip or this scene? You know, what I'm talking about good.
1: <laughs> I loved it. It's so big for both of them. You know, the fact that, you know, he's you know, telling her, you know, she's not small and he uses that line that Mr. Anderson said to him, um, uh, people accept the love they think they deserve. I love that line, and it's so perfect for this moment, and you know, she wonders, like, why he didn't ever ask her out, and you know, for one, there's no t- there was no real time where she was, like, single, and it wasn't the right moment, and he just never really had the courage to do it. He didn't know if that's what she wanted. So, but they end up, you know, actually kissing, and Getting together and it's it's such a great moment, but she is touching his leg, which triggers memories—these <laughs> lovely memories.
0: Ah, uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, um, yeah. This is a great. This is a great scene too. I really there's a reason why I highlighted this one as well. Obviously, the two that I did for this movie are. Sam Charlie scenes. Um I was looking for ones that were impactful. And the the one at Christmas with the typewriter and everything, um I love that scene. This scene I love for a different reason. I love it for how it, it forced Charlie to be honest. You know, it and it allowed Sam to show him what he was doing wrong you know when she said you know i can't feel like i'm glad you want me to be happy but i can't feel that i i that i can't feel that that's that's very sweet and everything but it's it's not enough i need somebody who isn't just going to be like like cr- crush have me as a crush yeah you know exactly. I, I need somebody who can see me and accept me for who i am and that's finally the thing that pushes charlie to admit that he sees her for who she is that he thinks that she's beautiful and perfect and, and he knows who she is and she knows who she is and it's when you know he goes in for a uh, kiss
1: yep ballsy
0: <laughs> very but again this is like what we've been building up as the as the whole movie goes along we see him taking more chances we see him doing things he wouldn't have done a year earlier
1: yeah Exactly. This is something I don't think he would have ever dreamed of doing, you know, when he first came to that school.
0: Yeah. So, as you said, they're kissing and she rubs his leg and he just kind of just snaps and just kind of looks at her like weird. And she says, is something wrong, Charlie? And he says nothing. And they go back to kissing and they kind of lay on the bed and out of uh, view of the camera and... And scene so it's a great scene i really love it I, I like a lot of the character stuff that goes on here i think it finally pushed that to a head you know we needed some resolution between this these two characters
1: yeah like this has just been building the whole entire movie and there's always been this kind of chemistry when they talk or when she kissed him like there's always been an intensity and it's all built up to this moment
0: Right. So the next day, uh, she's leaving. It's early. Um, Obviously, we get the sense that that Charlie stayed over. Um, Sure did. (laughs) Which, I mean, are we supposed to... I mean, are we guessing that they had sex in this scene? Yes. Okay.
1: When you have the scene, when you shoot them falling back on the bed scene, that's definitely, yeah, they had sex.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right, because I'm trying to remember in the book... uh, in the book they don't in the book uh the scene kind of plays out just like this but when they get to the point where she's rubbing his leg he he kind of jerks she says something wrong charlie and she chicks said no and then it happens again and then he he kind of signals that he doesn't want to do anything and we get to the next day so, maybe so,
1: that is. Maybe I'm just misinterpreting it. No, no, no.
0: I think you interpret it probably correctly. I think they may have just changed it for the for the movie. Um, but it, they're saying goodbye, and uh, they load everything up. And there's this nice little goodbye between Sam and Charlie. She kisses him, and what I like about this is, you know, even though she's going away to college, you get the sense that she's not looking to break up or I mean obviously they just kind of express their feelings the night before Um, but you feel like this is something that they want she wants to do she doesn't want to go to college and just be like dropping Charlie
1: yeah she doesn't want to break what they have off
0: right so she drives off and Charlie starts wandering home and we see this kind of mirage like moment where we see three Charlies on the road kind of just walking along, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you can just kind of get the feeling that he's walking home, but he doesn't see he's walking home. His mind is in many different places and that he's probably having a bad moment here.
0: Right. So he gets home and he calls the sister Candace and he confesses that he thinks that he killed... Aunt Helen, because she went to get him a birthday present that day, so, uh, so she knows exactly what this means. She tells her like sorority sisters or whoever they are, um, to call the police and get them to her house. And um, we see, ah, oh, it's such a heartbreaking. Oh my god! I mean, t- okay, I need to take a step back. There's so Charlie gets home because I think I went a little too far. Charlie gets home, and he is. Standing and he's pounding his head against the front door. Um, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. And you see him wandering upstairs to his room and he's sitting in his chair and he's just saying, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. And you're seeing the tears roll down his face. And I mean, this this is exceptional acting. It really is for. Yes. um Yeah. Yeah, for, for Logan Lerman, I mean, he does great work here. You can see someone just struggling as hard as they can to hold it together. And he just can't. I mean, it is finally bursting at the seams. He cannot stop it. Um, so that's when he calls Candace and she sends the the police his way. He We see him going into the kitchen. He sees a knife and you're thinking, oh, please don't pick that up. Don't do anything. And then, boom, he snaps awake and he's in the hospital.
1: Yeah. Well he gets the vision of um the idea for the knife is because he would see his Aunt Helen's wrist and I guess I didn't get a good shot of it looked burnt, not cut, but I guess I, she was. I think it was cut. I think
0: it was cut. I think there were two slice marks on her wrists. Like um not across, but down.
1: So. Ooh, okay, that would make sense. Like down is to... The saying is, if you want to kill yourself, it's down the road, not across the street.
0: Right. So.
1: Dark, but. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, this is just, it's just brutal. Um, So we have uh, Joan Cusack, who is uh, just this nice little cameo scene in this movie. Apparently she had like one day she could. Um, give to them to shoot and they took full advantage of it so
1: yeah she's great
0: yeah she's the doctor and um she essentially tells him he needs to talk he needs to talk about his aunt helen he needs to get better and uh, it's this wonderful scene where charlie's like he's ashamed of
1: what happened to him
0: right and she's doing her best to tell him that you don't have to be ashamed and, but we need to talk about it. We need to talk about your Aunt Helen. So we have, you know, this intercut with the scenes where, you know, Charlie watches his, she tells his his parents what Aunt Helen did to him. Uh, his mother breaks down and you can see his father is like, ho- try barely holding it together. They both hug him and kiss him. Um, his friends show up. They, in his hospital room, they, they talk, they play, you know, card games and stuff. And eventually, he's let out.
1: Yeah. So Do we want to talk about what was done to him? Just let them know. Oh,
0: yeah. Right. So, uh turns out, if you look at the flashbacks and the way they play out, his Aunt Helen was molesting him as a child. Yes. Um,
1: the- and... You, the flashbacks kind of correlate with what we've seen already, where you know, with the lanterns at Christmas time, where she's telling him, like, this is our little secrets, and just like stuff that seems innocent, but when you put it in different contexts, is quite terrifying.
0: Right, because when Sam was rubbing his leg, she, like, back when he was five years old, Aunt Helen was rubbing his leg too.
1: Yeah, it triggered that repressed memory.
0: Right. Yeah, because these are truly repressed memories, right? Because in the book and in the movie, like he considers Aunt Helen his favorite person in the whole world. Yeah. So for him to be able to view that in that light, he has to have repressed a lot of that stuff that happened to him.
1: Exactly, and when you're a kid, you know it's it's easy for your brain to be able to you know make it go away, like. Uh, repress it because you know you're just learning and associating with memories at that age you're slowly developing the ability to retain them so it's easy when you're a young kid for that to be repressed quite easily
0: right right so uh terrible stuff with him and her i mean it's just dreadful um to think that all his life he's been dealing with that agony um, without understanding, really. Uh, so Very then, much so. Yeah. So then Charlie gets out. Apparently, he still has to go to therapy uh, every week. He comes home, and there's this giant meal waiting for them, you know, when they get back, and they all sit around talking, and you feel like normalcy is starting to seep back into everyday conversation, and, and that's pretty cool.
1: My f- favorite lines is <laughs> this dinner scene. And um Charlie just asked his dad, I think it's the penguins how they're gonna do. And this is just after they've prayed to God right. for their meal, and he says, Ah, those goddamn penguins. Right. I literally laughed, I'm like, you just prayed and immediately cursed God the next moment.
0: Right. That's that's a right, that that's <laughs> lovely a, guy. That's common. That's um, you know, Catholic. Um so yeah. Anyway, Uh, And and I I love some of these, there's some um, colloquialisms, uh, these little phrases that pop out from time to time, which are definitely from Pennsylvania and the Pittsburgh area. One is, uh, you're you're cruising for a bruising. That's that's something that I've heard all my life. um, But that's also
1: from Greece, too.
0: Yeah, I know, but... But are you sure it wasn't uh, something from Pennsylvania
1: before that, before Greece? I didn't even know Pennsylvania was a thing till (laughs) years ago. Just kidding. Oh,
0: boy. Gee
1: whiz. (laughs) Who knows Pennsylvania exists?
0: Oh, well, you know what the 13 colonies would know (laughs) that landed here. Um...
1: It is actually pretty amazing how many, like, actors and stuff are from Pennsylvania, like, Yep. Yeah, the more like I look into people, it's like Pennsylvania, 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 and I'm like oh, decent people coming out of that state,
0: right? Not too bad. Um, oh, also, also like uh, jagoff, which is definitely a Pittsburgh thing. That's what that, that is something
1: like. I use all the time. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, Jeez. road rage, huge. Yeah,
0: jagoff <laughs> is a definite Pittsburgh term. I mean, my dad would know. <laughs> um he uh it's
1: my road rage favorite (laughs)
0: that's awesome that's awesome yeah so anyway um so then after that sam and uh patrick stop by ask if uh, charlie can come out and play which of course he can right so (laughs) they go um and eat at king's and that's when, you know, Sam's filling him in on, you know, like she went and got a grilled sticky at, uh, you know, which of course, they are delicious, by the way. Um, what is it? It's like a, it's like, almost like a, a different version of a cinnamon roll in a way. Oh, okay, then so that good. would be amazing. And, and, and they're, and they're... All
1: I'm picturing is just like gelatin gunk.
0: <laughs> no, it's delicious. And on top of that, it's piping hot, fresh. So that's even better. So they're sitting at Kings, and she's talking about getting the girls sticky, and her college is so much better than than you know they thought it would be. And uh, she wants him to come up and visit her, which is great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, she found the song because apparently her roommate has a great taste in music.
1: Yes, she found the song, and I'm like, finally.
0: <laughs> so then they go out to the truck. They go in the into the tunnel, except this time it's Charlie getting in the back. Yep, and uh, they're playing. Of course, we could be heroes by David Bowie, and he stands up, and well, first of all, he's laying in the truck. He's looking behind them, and Sam must have said something to him because he turns around and she kisses him, um, and he stands up, and she he says, "I'm I'm going to paraphrase the best I can here, but." You know he's talking about you know this is this is in the present this is what's real this all this matters, and that um, you know he's standing here staring at this beautiful girl, and um, you know that they're essentially that they're infinite, and he raises his arms up in the air, and so he went into the tunnel as Charlie, and he came out of the tunnel as Charlie reborn.
1: Yep. It is the quote-unquote, like, spiritual birth canal for his new self to come out. Right.
0: Basically, the, the Pittsburgh, yeah, for Pits- uh, Pittsburgh Tunnel. So, that's great. The
1: graphic way to describe it.
0: Right. So, and that ends it. And that's that's the end of the movie. That's uh, pretty much the recap here. So, let's uh, talk a little bit about, you know, I had some thoughts here. Um... Some of the things I, I I've jotted down here. Um, first of all, you mentioned this earlier. We accept the love we think we deserve. Um, one of my favorite lines that out of this. is. It's, I wrote this. Possibly one of the simplest yet truest quotes I've ever read. Yeah. It it is. You know, <laughs> if you could tell people that quote when they're young, maybe they remember it, because. <laughs> It was, uh, but it was saved a lot of heartbreak for a yeah. lot of
1: people. <laughs> like everyone listening to this is like, yeah, reminiscing, that would have saved quite a bit.
0: <laughs> right. Or just like, damn it, I wish I was 15 again and I could watch this movie and, you know, be like, oh yeah, exactly, you're right. But I love that line. I just think it's so great. And I love that it comes into play a couple of times. Um, yeah. It shows mental illness in a highly realistic light, which it does.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I'm very happy with any movie that does that. It's just something that's, even to this day, it's taboo and very little talked about, you know?
0: Right. Oh, no, definitely. For sure.
1: And it's still one of those things that's you know, people have drugs to help you. But, you know, core causes of, you know, general mental illness is still unknown you know like oh there's too many there's too
0: many factors involved exactly so yeah
1: you can't think your way out of a thinking problem
0: yeah like charlie has problems and we we, that's the centerpiece to the movie sam obviously has had to deal with a lot in you know in aunt helen and and michael i mean it's chock full of people that have had mental health issues and uh, i like that they have that here so
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, Both the film and the book don't necessarily paint anyone as a bad guy or a monster. Um, Now, Aunt Helen probably comes across as the the monster for sure. But in the book, while she did do that to Charlie, which would, of course, make her that awful, um, one thing is that it was done to her as well.
1: Yeah, and that is 95% of the time, people who... Molest or sexually assault somebody, they had it done to them when they were a child.
0: Right. And this definitely was the same thing with Aunt Helen. So yep. it's, yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think what else here. Uh, it doesn't shy away from subject matter. It, you know, you think about this 1999, um, to have some of the stuff they had in this book, abortion played a significant part, um, you know. Patrick
1: how mental illness in the nineties like didn't even exist. now like right, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, um, like you wouldn't think about it back then,
0: <laughs> right, so yeah, um, I just like that they tackle subject matter honestly, you know,
1: Yep, very much so,
0: and um. That's well. That's the ones I jotted down for now. But I'm sure we get to some more stuff here shortly. I also have uh, some trivia, but we can get to that. Why don't you start <laughs> or t- start talking about things that you liked or observations that you have about the movie?
1: I am going to my like other than the story, one of my favorite parts of this is the music. It's so perfect for everything going on, especially you know David Bowie's heroes. But there's this one song that plays. It's called Dear God by XTC. And it's when, you know, they're in church uh, and you see like Patrick and Brad looking at each other and he's his dad there. And it's playing in the background and just I love this song so much. And I, it's one of those songs that you don't think anybody else knows. It's not something you'd ever blast in your car because you'd scare somebody else would hear it and like beat the hell out of your car for the content that's in it. <laughs> and I was really glad that I was in there because it was perfect for that moment and just rings true. So that's one of my favorite things is the music aspect. Is it so coming of age, dealing with hardships and, you know, just trying to be free. So they had a great music with that. Um, The acting (laughs) was incredible. I I would never pick anyone else to do the roles that happened. They were all so perfect for their each individual parts. I mean, for The guy who plays Patrick to, you know, be Patrick, but also be able to do, like, the Rocky Horror, be Dr. Frankenfurter, I mean, like, he rocked it so hard, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. He was great. Oh, definitely. Couldn't have asked for someone better. There's no way anybody could have done it better.
1: No. So the cast of Semblance was wonderful. And this is something I've never read. I've heard about it. But after watching this, I'm definitely going to have to go and read the book for sure.
0: Oh yeah, like I said, it, it's not a big book, you know. It's a, it's a cut- that
1: wouldn't deter me, but it's definitely a story that I would really enjoy.
0: Right? Yeah, it's um, first, edi- first edition is two hundred and fifty eight pages. Gotcha. So it's a pretty short read. You could probably, I guarantee, once you start, you won't you won't stop. You could probably read the whole thing in a day. Yeah, so. and one of those lazy afternoons. Right. Uh, I mean, okay, well, for I'll get to some more stuff here, but I want to get into the trivia, Um, just to toss a few things out here. Um, So we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. So John Hughes got the rights from Stephen Chbosky, the author, and he, this was going to be his directorial comeback because I don't think John Hughes had done a movie for quite some time. Um, and he had Shia LaBeouf as Charlie, Kirsten Dunst as Sam, and Patrick Fugit as Patrick. So, in mind, at least.
1: I'm sure all of you were just like, Shia LaBeouf, are you insane? But that was my reaction when Michael told me that. But yeah, he did point out that this, when this was happening with John Hughes, it was early 2000s when Shia LaBeouf was not, you know, Nutter Butters.
0: Uh, Chbosky... Well, okay, so John Hughes passed away when he was in the middle of writing the script. Um, so Chbosky found value in that half of the screenplay, and so he purchased it off of the Hughes, uh, heirs, the family, and, um, it allowed him to take that and still use it, and so that was great. Man, I think, you know, um... Something else here too about Jabowski is that he both wrote the book and the screenplay as well as directed the movie. That is rare. Even just taking out writing, you know, the screenplay just to be the author and write and direct, or or be like write the screenplay and direct too. I mean, there's only a few people like Quentin Tarantino that do that, but to be all three, that's rare.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the guy who plays Ezra Miller, uh, he's exploded since this i mean he was in suicide squad as the flash and he's getting his own movie as the flash yep he's in fantastic beasts and where to find them Mm -hmm. suicide squad yeah and batman v superman like that's crazy
0: yeah he's an excellent actor that's why you know uh watch we need to talk about kevin uh if you want a quick okay so i'm gonna just briefly before i continue i'm gonna briefly explain what this movie is uh um, (laughs) see if i'd like
1: it (laughs)
0: Uh we need we need to talk about Kevin is about a, a woman who ends up meeting a guy and um you know, she has these dreams about traveling the world, da da but she gets pregnant, she has the kid, he uh so she uh, or yeah. She and her husband get married and uh the problem is is that this boy, essentially from the moment of his birth, is just awful. I mean, he He cries all the time, and then when he becomes a toddler and then gets a little older, like the older he gets, the more defiant he is and the worse things he does. And by the time he's 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, this kid is a full-blown psychopath.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And I don't want to give anything away, but Ezra Miller plays the kid, the older uh, kid, And he is terrifying. And it it just shows you how great of an actor he is. I won't give anything away, but it's great. Um, Okay,
1: typical of psychopaths, is animal cruelty, any of that?
0: I'm trying to remember. I think so. I think he, yeah, I think, well, maybe a goldfish, maybe.
1: Poor goldfish.
0: I don't remember. This is me. I just, I
1: love animals. Right. If he killed a person, I'd be fine
0: with it. Well, I don't want to get into it, but let me just tell you, it—you will, your mind will, will be blown. <laughs> um, the King's Family Restaurant, uh, has multiple locations uh, in the United States, including one forty-five minutes from here. I've I've eaten at Kings and I've eaten at Kings in, in Pittsburgh as well. That's pretty cool. And uh, also, Ron Howard, Richard Linklater. Josh Schwartz, MCG, Joel Schumacher, Ryan Murphy, and Danny Boyle were all interested in directing this movie.
1: Wow, that's quite an assemblage! Out
0: of all of them, if I had to pick one, I would love to have seen what Richard Linklater could have done with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be different, like crazier or a different aspect.
0: Uh no,
1: I think it'd be just the same
0: probably. I think
1: he'd do it justice as well, you know, the own writer would do.
0: I think he, well, and probably just a lot more
1: talking. I think
0: well, I think there would be longer takes, I think he would direct it slightly differently, but I think he would do yeah. it justice. I think Richard Linklater out of all of those guys would be able to do a movie like this justice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I think there'd definitely be a lot more longer talking pieces cuz he's really good at that.
0: No. Yeah, well, obviously, definitely. You know. Oh, hey, the cri- the Criterion Collection came out for uh, before sunrise, before sunset. The what
1: collection? A, What's it called?
0: Criterion Collection. You know, What's that? have you ever heard of the Criterion? Okay. No. Criterion Collection is um, so a really good movie comes out, and if it, if it gets picked by Criterion, uh, they do a Criterion Collection, and what it does is they. Um, They'll do all kinds of brand new featurettes and interviews about the movie, and uh, you know, um, commentary and things like that. It, it costs a little more the the Criterion Collection, but it's like usually like 1080p, and they're getting into the point. Where I think we're gonna start doing 4K as well. But Criterion Collection, if you get selected, it's a big honor. So have bef- never even heard yeah. of it. Its Criterion Collection is uh, uh, amazing. Huh,
1: I'm looking at it right now and I can't believe I've never heard of it.
0: Yep. So anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, Richard Linklater, I'm a big fan of his work. So I think he would have done a good job. So is there anything else? Yeah, he would have or- done it well. Oh, yeah. So is there anything else, anything you want to talk about when it comes to these characters? Any specific character that you want to bring up? Any issues that you had? Any negatives?
1: Mm, Everyone did a really... It's hard to find anything negative about this. It was really good well-rounded.
0: I know. (sighs) Ah.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think, but... All I can think of is that blonde girl in his classes that always has something shitty to say. And just how she is totally the epitome of teenagers in high school.
0: Right. It's terrible.
1: Like the idiot ones.
0: Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, there's nothing bad I can say about this movie at all.
0: So do you think this will be a a possible uh, Blu-ray purchase or something oh, similar? Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I'm glad that I've turned you on to this movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this will make the shelf. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Ah, yes. Tw- twirling my mustache. Yes. My my evil plan is in in the works. It's now coming to yeah, fruition. Yeah,
1: cresting the goatee. <laughs> yes.
0: Mm, yes. 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 Hmm. my plan is working. Um yeah, so it's a great movie. I I look final word, final my final uh bit on this. This is a great movie. It's got great acting. The directing is excellent, especially for a first-time director. Um, it's smart. It's witty. It has a lot to say, and there's a lot of depth in in this movie. And uh, if you really give it a chance, I think you'll end up loving it. So um, I say just go buy it and love it. Watch it, love it, and keep re-watching it again. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I highly recommend it. It it's worth your time, very much so.
0: Alrighty.
1: So did we give our grading.
0: Yeah. So um boy, well, I, I I honestly I can't give anything less than an A plus for this movie. I really can't.
1: It's hard when we pick movies we like. <laughs> We're just like A plus on everything because it's our taste.
0: <laughs> right, right, I guess. Um maybe we'll have to start doing a um pick a random like we'll have like randomly have 50 movies and pick one out of a, of a uh, fishbowl something.
1: So we have bad ones too. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I try to pick stuff that people are going to want to hear about too as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what about you? Uh, yeah, it's an A plus. <laughs> like, it, it's hard because like I want to, you know, not give an A plus every time we watch a movie. But this deserves it, so I can't not give it anything less than an A+. plus. Hey,
0: I gave an A- minus to your Castle in the Sky, so...
1: I know, but I really love this movie.
0: Yeah, this movie is special. <laughs> and I, 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 ima- I imagine you'll be watching it again soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh,
0: okay, well, it looks like that's it for us on this review.
1: Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: All right, we'll be back soon enough for our next uh, review. What's our next film?
1: Uh, so we'll be doing uh, our Christmas edition yep. of The Next Freaking Geeks. Uh, and would you want to start up with my choice? Sure. Okay, so next time we will be discussing our favorite uh Christmas TV show episode as well as a Christmas show and mine is gonna be Christmas vacation. this is a time honored tradition in my family and my husband's family so this is pretty much you start a scene in this and I can finish it we know the line's true and true it's a Christmas tradition so can't wait to talk about this one
0: excellent ah same here a huge huge uh fan of uh, Christmas Christmas vacations great yeah, it's classic yes. All right, everyone. I guess that's it for us. So I guess have a a good week and we will talk to you next time.
1: Yeah, so stay freaky. Stay geeky. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. If you'd like to send feedback into the podcast, you can do so at freakinggeeks at gmail.com. In the subject line, put the podcast you're sending feedback in for. You can contact us via Twitter. At Freaking Geeks Media. You can contact Sarah at Labyrinth Rose. And you can contact me at Michael underscore Lanik. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at www.patreon.com forward slash Freaking Geeks. Check out our introductory video and see the perks on the website. You can also check out www.freakinggeeks.com. That is our home base. You can look at all the podcasts we have to offer and you can also contact us there as well via our our email form.